the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Second hour. It's not the Pro-America Report. It's not the Andrea K. Report. It's like it's like peanut butter and chocolate together. Ooh, yeah. I'm so glad you said that instead of peanut butter and jelly, because that ain't my jam, baby. No, it's not your jam. I no, like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're back. We're live from CPAC. We've got another hour, and then uh, we will also be together on Tuesday night for the uh, Super Tuesday Returns. And uh, Andrea K. will be downtown in San Diego. I'll be in my pajamas in uh, Northern Virginia. <laughs> uh, but we'll cover all that and break it down. Hey, we have, we have, I mean, pardon me, we either have the greatest next hour or we have a great next hour because, like, we have possible guests dropping in. Yeah. Like, it'll change the whole world. Well, it's, but, we're fluid here at CPAC, but not in that gender well, fluid kind of nonsense. <laughs> like, in the real fluid. I was just trying to know. think of a joke about being fluid, but all right, I'm not no, fluid. keep a G. We're a G rated right, okay. program. Well, um, all right, now, our next guest is more important than who he is. Is there's a guy named Morton Blackwell, and if you're listening and you don't know his name, you're missing something. Was, one of the most that extraordinary. That a dress guy that did no, the best dress list? You, no. One of them, Roger Stone, he does the best dress list in the Daily Caller. <laughs> no, Morton Blackwell, Phyllis Schlafly, Lady Phyllis Schlafly used to say, Morton Blackwell's organization, Leadership Institute, has trained more people, young people especially, but people than anybody could have ever imagined. And one of the things, I did a tour of the, a big, the campus, his building, a few months ago, and he took me to this corner, campus reform, and he said, Ed, I want to show you this. This is exploding on campuses. Campus reform goes out onto campuses, reporting what's going on, and they're getting this huge reaction from students, from the public. It's pretty extraordinary, and, and they're using digital media, I mean, social media, and digital, it's really on the cutting edge. And actually, I don't think you guys are, are heard about as much as so. You know, Charlie Kirk gets a ton of attention because he does awesome stuff. But campus reform is really cool. Our next guest is Cabot Phillips. He's the editor in chief of Campus Reform. And thanks for coming, Cabot. It yeah. must be CPAC must be interesting for you. But uh, tell us how campus reform fits into the conservative moment we're in. Yeah, so we are an online news publication. It's the largest college news site in America, and we are completely devoted to exposing liberal bias on college campuses. So we have a team of over 100 student reporters who are the eyes and the ears on the ground on campuses across the country, and then a full-time team of editors and reporters in D.C. who we write completely about liberal bias. And there is plenty of content. Even though we only write about one topic, there are endless stories for us to cover. And so we're trying to shine a light on what's going on. We always say light is the best disinfectant, and mm -hmm. I think we can all agree our, our college campuses need some disinfecting. I think that's the Washington Post, 
Doesn't the Washington Post say that light is yeah, the best well, democracy dies in darkness? Uh, oh, right. yeah, something it is like dying. That. There's lots of darkness well, over that, there. Well, my, my problem with that is I tell you, Cabot, and that, that's great, and I know Morton's doing it, but a lot of spe- people speak in jive and slogans. And, and when I went back, I one of the campus reform, if you go to their websites and all, these, these men and women are making appearances. They're in the fray. I mean, it's one yeah. thing we gather together and we say, hey, this is what we care about. If you're in the fray, it matters. Now, but let me ask you, Cabot, this. You went to Liberty. Liberty yep. University is different. Hillsdale's different. A number of schools are different. Can these other schools survive? University. When you look at what they're doing to the kids, mm-hmm. and kids and their parents are paying for it. Yeah. How, how Taxpayers are paying for it, well, by the way, for, in a lot of these yeah. instances. Yeah, what? they only survive if we allow them to survive. And it's us as taxpayers that should be holding them accountable. And it's us as also as attendees that actually go to the schools and continue to subsidize them. And I, I always think of it as it's kind of like buying a car. If you paid $50,000 for a new car and you drive it off the lot and you realize, wait a second, this doesn't have all the bells and whistles they promised. This isn't doing its job. You wouldn't just say, well, that's that's what buying a car is. You never know what you're going to get. You <laughs> yeah. drive back to the lot and you demand to speak to the person that sold you that car. But with education, we pay $40,000 for a degree and when you realize what you're getting isn't what you paid for, we just wash our hands and say, well, that's just how education is. Yeah. We need to be demanding better and I think it's up to parents, first of all, to be involved in their students' education. Look at the syllabus. Look at the, the summer reading list. Ask their students ask their kids what, what it's like on campus. It's up to students to expose what's going on in campus, to have that courage to, to speak up, uh, to be empowered. And also it's up to us as taxpayers to say, where's our money going? Right. What Can are we, we funding? Yeah, well, let me let me ask you a question here because it, I think you guys do an amazing job in terms of awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it says it all that you have to ha- you have 100 people out there reporting. That's the extent yeah. of the bias. But when it comes to accountability, I mean, with tenure, how do you, how do you affect change? So universities don't really start to change change until people pay attention and start calling. And so we quantify victories. That, that's our ultimate goal is victories at Campus Reform. So that's some, anytime we write up a story and because of the coverage, because of people calling from the community saying, what are you guys doing? That's what universities start to feel the pressure when they start getting calls from the outside. They're just like anyone else. They don't want bad PR. Mm-hmm. And so we've had you know dozens of victories each year of universities reversing free speech policies, for example. Uh, you know They'll disinvite a speaker from the campus because they're conservative and because of our coverage, they'll have to reverse it because of the bad press and they'll have to allow the conservative speakers to come. And so those are victories that we quantify. And also, I think it's going to take public opinion to shift. And we need to be patient first for public opinion to shift. And we've seen that already beginning to happen. And I think, uh, you know, in the last five years, if you look at polling data, there's been a 25% increase in the number of Americans saying that university system is failing its students. That, I think, is a first step, is making people aware. And then also, there's an element of, if you're donating to your alma mater and you think your alma mater is not doing a good job and is biased, stop donating to them because yeah, yeah. they want your money. Well, I'll ask you if you're listening. I'm really <laughs> pleased with what y'all did with the football program this year. Uh, here we go. We're go t- on. We're talking with Cabot Phillips, and Cabot is, again, the editor-in-chief of Campus Reform. You can go to campusreform.org and at Cabot underscore Phillips on Twitter, at Cabot underscore Phillips on Twitter. All right, Cabot, um, Trump. Mm-hmm. So you've been at this. You got out of college four and a half, five years ago. Yep. So you got you wrote in. I mean, that you were you, Trump wasn't in office, so you saw a little of the Obama, and you were in school with Obama. I mean, in school when Obama was president. Um, how's Trump changed the argument for you on campuses? On one level, he makes people crazy. Yeah. But on another level, he's so politically incorrect, which young people, even though people say young people are uh, 
uh, are liberal and malleable and like all the free stuff, they also tend to not yet be totally jaded. And they like politically, yeah. you know, they when you're young, you say stupid stuff that's usually politically incorrect. I mean, I, yeah. I do it now that I'm old, too. But how's Trump impacted what's happening on campuses, either positive or negatively or both? It's, I think there's, a, there's positive to it and there's negative to it. Starting with the positive, I do think that a lot of young conservatives, if you look around at CPAC, I mean, you know, over, I'd say over a third of the people here yeah, are under the I age of 25. It's, it's a very young crowd yep. here. And I do think a lot of them view President Trump as, as an inspirational figure. Yep. They, they see him, you know, not backing down and, and standing up and being bold. And so I think there's an element of President Trump that empowers a lot of young conservatives on campus. Right. I think there's a flip side, though, where it's very easy if, if you're a college student uh, on campus and you're just listening to what your professors are saying, it's very easy for them to give you a, you know, 20 second soundbite of President Trump to and, and say, here's why he's evil. And it's very easy to convince people if you're not really doing your own research of that. And so I think that because the media, because, you know, school administrations as a whole are, are so anti-Trump, I think um, oftentimes that he's kind of like a, a rallying figure for them on the left to say he's everything wrong with conservatism and just kind of paint with a broad brush and deceive people into what President Trump actually is. Right. And, Excuse, well, excuse me for interrupting because, you know, yeah, one of the ways they try to counter any good message from Trump is, you know, now they're flat out just trying to buy students with the let's cancel debt. And there's yeah. no such thing as canceling debt. It's going to be transferred to people that didn't sign up for it, didn't take on the obligation. It doesn't solve the problem for tuitions rising. Yeah. But, I mean, if I was a college kid right now, I'd be like, yeah, I might vote for somebody that's going to let me be here for free for four years uh, well, and make kinda, somebody else pay for it. You're kind of old to go back to college. I mean, if you well, want to, hey, I, I might, though. Be fun. You go back and take. The, take the classes I didn't get to take on bowling, maybe. You, you bring know, up a good point. We, we made a video on this recently where we make these videos where I'll, I'll go to campus or some of our other reporters will go to campus and interview students on things like this. And one was student loan debt forgiveness. Said, hey, what do you think about just canceling all student loan debt? And they said, great. And they go, okay, well, people are going to have to pay for it. Are you okay with that? And they go, yeah, I'm okay with that. So then we took a bucket and we said, hey, would you donate to the fund to help cancel student loan debt? Yeah. And they go, well, I mean, I don't have the money for it. I, I can't pay for that. And we say, well, someone's got to, right? Shouldn't, shouldn't it start with you? And the students kind of started to realize, oh, people do have to pay for this. And you, and you bring up President Trump. Um, I, one thing that I see is that a lot of times people aren't necessarily opposed to his specific policies. It's more they're opposed to what they think his policies yeah. are or what yep. they think he is. So we did a video on this when, when tax reform was going through. I went to campus. I said, what do you think of Trump's tax plan? Everyone said it's racist. It hurts poor people. I said, that's <laughs> fine. Fair enough. I'm going to read you Bernie Sanders' counter tax plan. And I just read them President Trump's plan word yeah, for word. Yeah, yeah. And they all said, this is common sense tax reform. This yeah. is going <laughs> to help the little guy. Sneaky, you're sneaky. And then I said, actually, this is this is President Trump's plan. Is sneaky. it still racist? Because you just said it was going to help people. And they go, well, that's not what I've heard it is. I didn't know it was yeah. that. So I do think that a lot of people, it's, it's you know, not everyone has to end up being conservative when they go to college, but they at least need to get a fair shakedown of the issues right. to make up their minds for themselves. Hey, uh, Cabot, where can people that are listening, They maybe they got kids in college or they're in college themselves listening on the show or listening to Andrew K. and I, where can they go? If they go to campusreform.org, can they get LinkedIn, not just to the news, but maybe they want yeah. to be a contributor or they want to learn more about it? Tell us a little bit about where they can go. So we have a big button on the top of our page at campusreform.org that just has contact, uh -huh. and you can go in there. If you're a student, you can be a student writer for us. If you're not a student, you can be an investigator for us. If you're just in the community, a parent wants to you know, send us tips, we're more than happy for that. But we're always looking for, for new uh, you know, ways to, to shine a light on what's going on. It's endless content. Any university, uh, yeah. there's going to be stories well, from there. Well, if you're taking tips, isn't that a violation in California, that rule we just that law? You can't take tips. Yeah, exactly. You were saying, I heard you saying that to me yep. before we got on. Well, listen, hey, thank you, and thank uh, Morton Blackwell whenever you can. He is a living 
legend, one of the iconic figures yeah. in the conservative movement from the very beginning, organizing for Reagan, organizing for Goldwater. He's the youngest delegate at the convention at the Cow Palace in San Francisco for uh, Goldwater, and just an extraordinary man. And uh, his wife, the late Helen yeah. Blackwell, was one of Phyllis Schlafly's great leaders in Virginia. And actually, uh, we talk a lot. Virginia's a mess. It wasn't a mess when Helen Blackwell was running uh, a grassroots. Amen. So thank they are heroes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you, Cabot, for being here, and uh, thank you for uh, putting up with uh, Andrea's questions. Yeah. And we're going to... We'll take a butter and chocolate. Yeah, yeah. peanut butter and chocolate, that's right. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got a lot more. we got guests, we got chatter, we got chocolate, yeah, the yeah. Grand Canyon, everything here. It's not the Pro-America Report. It's uh, not the Andrew K. Show. It's Ed and Andrea. Be right back. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. FM 96.1 North County and AM 1170 San Diego. The Answer. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. It's not the Pro-America Report. It's not the Andrea K. Show. It's back-to-back hours of Andrea and Ed. We're here live at CPAC. Uh, the people appear to be pressing in on us. You know, you've been saying it's like a zoo, Andrea. Now the crowd is like all gathered around us. I don't know if it's our next guest. Could be because people, one of our previous guests just asked for a selfie with our next guest. So obviously uh, we, we've got a lot going on. But CPAC's been great. We have a lot of a lot of people, a lot of ideas, a lot of interesting things. And it's all building towards tomorrow at 3 p.m. when Donald Trump will be, uh, he will be, um, uh, delivering the keynote speech at CPAC, and that should be uh, a lot of security. So there you go. Andrea, I'm, I'm turning it over to you now. Andrea, All right. Thank you, Ed. Listen, I'm super excited to have this next guest with me. Um, I, I know that on my, my peeps, particularly on Facebook, watch his vids every day on his Facebook Live. He talks about pop culture in a way that very few yeah. conservatives actually do. Y'all know I must be talking about Matt Walsh from Daily Wire, and he joins us now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. All right. So, um... Why so much focus on pop culture in your stuff versus like CPAC this year is America versus socialism? Mm-hmm. I've been saying for a while that it's really the the um, the um, Marxist the cultural Marxist movement is really the way that the left is is making the inroads in in, in our society. Is that yeah. why? Do you feel the same way when it comes to the pop culture stuff? Yeah, well, I think culture in general is what drives uh, politics. So um, if we want to if we want to actually get to the to the to the roots and not just chop away at the branches, then we have to be talking about culture because that's what affects people. Um, that's what we're all sort of living in. That's the environment we're living in. So I think that's what we have to be we have to be focused on on, on those kinds of issues. And conservatives sometimes have a tendency to neglect them to our um, detriment, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that makes me crazy, I actually supported getting rid of Gray Davis and putting it on Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. I, you know, I'm socially liberal and fiscally conservative, and I made the argument, there's no such thing, because it's really the social issues and the domestic policies that have really ushered in Marxism in this country, and it's, it's done much to destroy us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, we call them social issues, but these are, I think that kind of negates the importance of it. We're talking about things with social issues. We're talking about things that speak to life, family. These are the, the most elemental, fundamental things, as far as I can tell. Hey, we're talking with Matt Walsh, and you go to at Matt Walsh blog, and also you got a new book out. And I'm really interested in your in, the, in this the book. I mean, it's uh, called Church of Cowards. Ah. And I, I wanted to ask you this: We got a bunch of people in the country that like Bernie Sanders because they like somebody who sounds like he's on their side. Mm-hmm. We got a whole bunch of people that love Donald Trump because he's on their side. And across the rest of our culture, 
we don't have a lot of big leaders who are leading like Cardinal O'Connor did and the, the Father Hesburgh and some of these religious leaders, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham's there. What is it? Cowardice? Is it uh, institute? Your book, which I haven't read yet, uh, you say you give a plan to how we can reignite things. But why is it? Hap- why have we gotten here? Well, I think the the, the churches have uh, many ways forfeited um, the the moral playing field, and I, I think that they are afraid, you know, that if they start talking about moral issues and calling people to make personal sacrifice in their lives, you start scaring people. People are going to leave. But what we find is that, you know, people are leaving the churches, yet are hungering for that moral message. And then, especially young people, they end up going to somebody like Bernie Sanders, right. who, can, who can swoop in and take advantage of their um, of their hunger and, and, and need for that kind of message. Uh, and that's that's a, that's a problem because that's something they should be getting from the churches. Hey, I've been doing this to a lot of people. Have you read Eric Hoffer? You know Hoffer. Eric Hoffer, the, the philosopher. So he's, a, he's a philosophy guy. He's dead a lot many years. But he, he Let's writes just say a, that I have, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. I, 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 because, because Why are you pop quizzing our guests, No, because he, he talks about mass movements and how when the people are disgruntled with what's going on, they fall for a lot of bad things. Yeah. And my, my thesis has been politics right now is in the midst of a mass movement. They go for Tea Party. They go for Occupy Wall Street. They go for Republicans, Democrats. They go for uh, Trump. They go for Bernie. And we don't have a, com- a similar cultural mass movement. You know, there's not a revival. And so what, what, what do you think is coming? What's possible? Well, I, I, I think mass movement's a way to put it. I think mass confusion is another way to put it. Because right. I think there, you mentioned all these places people are going. I think it's sometimes the same people that are bouncing between all yes. these different movements. And what I take from that is that uh, people just don't know exactly what they believe. People are confused. And are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. I think that's the main thing they're looking for that we all need in our lives or, or you can't really even live anymore without it. Uh, and that's what you find uh, in, in faith or you should be able to find. And that's what that's what the churches should be providing. But there has to be that deeper message. And you can't be afraid of talking about things like sacrifice and repentance and, and yep. those sorts of dirty words. Right. One of the books that, that I'm flashing on right now talking about this, the absence of core beliefs, is it was uh, While Europe Slept, and it was written by Bruce Bauer, who was a far-left uh, you know, dude who hated the religious right in this country so much he moved to the holy grail of socialist Scandinavia, right? What he found there was the absence of, of faith. What he hated in the United States was really what they needed over there because since they didn't have it, they did this, um, they allowed for the mass migration of Muslims to come into Europe and then of course the elites don't want to bump up against them so they shove them in these outlying areas and now they you know Europe is gone was and so his message was we need to make sure that we you know preserve that in America and that American culture and coming from a far left you know atheist you know I've, it was such an amazing war, you know warning cry to America and we haven't heeded it I kind of feel like that's really your message as well to America yeah yeah it's, I think it's I think it's a similar similar idea that we have to you know, we have to give people what they are hungering for deep down in their core. And um, and that's what and if you look at our at our culture today, not just for politically, but you know, suicide epidemic, drug, drug, drug abuse epidemic, depression. Uh, what I find from that is people are just empty. There's a crisis of meaning um, and they're looking desperately for it. They could find it in faith, but we have to be willing to, to give it to them there. Don't you think that uh, that's one of the things that I've talked about every time we have a school shooting, you know, and immediately it's the rush to, to ban guns. And I'm like, it's such a con. There's so it's really a cultural issue yeah. with why we because I, I grew up in the deep south where boys ro- rode up every day in their trucks with loaded gun racks and none of those guns ever came into the school and started shooting it up. The, it's thing, a cultural that, issue. the thing that I always notice in those school shootings, <clears throat> most of the time, 
mass shootings in general, when you hear from the survivors, is, uh, is not that the shooter was running in screaming, frothing at the mouth. It's that they just kind of were walking in casually, no, no expression on their face, just shooting people. Uh, what I take from that is this is utter indifference to human life. Mm-hmm. This is someone who's completely lost, does, does not care at all, and is just trying to feel something, and they're willing to kill people to do it. Uh, so this is a crime of, 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 a, of total indifference to, to human life. And so I agree with you that that's, you know, that's, that's the ultimate and worst expression of it, but I, there's a reason why it's happening more and more. I mean, it doesn't have to do with guns. It has to do with that loss of meaning. So back, come on, back to the, maybe the, 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 the late Phyllis Schlafly for whom I worked, she, she would say that she, you write a book, and she, I remember her standing in, my, in the door of my office, and she had written a book called Who Killed the American Family? And she said, okay, I've got the first eight chapters done. And she said the last chapter, too, is what are we going to do about it going forward? What are we going to do about what you described? I mean, what, what is, what's possible, do you think, in terms of a revival? Is it, you know, well, not what's likely, what's possible? Well, I think that a revival of uh, American culture in general has to begin with with Christians, in my in my view. Uh, I do think that American culture. We talk about America being a Christian country. I think that cul- maybe not legally it, it isn't because it's not a theocracy, but culturally it has been and must be again. And so it has to start with Christians. And I think we have to ask ourselves as Christians: um, Do we actually believe, first of all, all of the extraordinary and, and rather startling claims we make? Um, about the way that, you know, about the realities of the world. If we do, then that reality, that truth should infiltrate every aspect of our lives. And we should start living according to it and realize that faith is something that is done, not just a belief in a proposition, but it's actually something that you live and do. And and I think it has to start there. It's, uh, you know, I I, I think I told you I got up at like 3.30 this morning and being in a a, a complete... um, Lunatic. I read a book on <laughs> Sam Adams that I had read a long time ago, and Sam Adams was writing about uh, uh, was a great writer, among other things. People think of Sam Adams. I don't know what they think of him, but he's a great writer. Wrote a lot, and he was writing about how property rights and the early founding the, the, that period were because of the Christian faith that you had to understand. You understood. In fact, I think is the title here America America versus socialism. Is that the title? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. The, because that's, that's better than capitalism versus socialism. Because America, the whole notion of America, I don't think America can be socialist. It goes against what America is. Yeah. Well, it can be if you shift the culture towards it. Well, and that's, but it and becomes that's the not America. It's not America anymore right. because You're America right. is, is, is based on an idea, a, pretty, a, a doctrine, really. America is based on the doctrine of human rights. Exactly. And uh, I'm not aware of—I've of, uh, never heard anyone explain um, how you get human rights without God. Uh, certainly, Thomas Jefferson thought they were endowed by the Creator. So if they're not endowed by the Creator, then where do they come from? Why should anyone care about them? Uh, so this is a, it really is, a, a, human rights is a religious doctrine, w- whether you like it or not. And right. so we have to reclaim that, I think. When's your book coming out? Uh, it's out now. It's out, it came out on Tuesday, so get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold. Well, Pretty cool. What's yeah. the title again? Church of Cowards. Yeah, and you know what? I love that title because as Christians, we've got to stop being made to feel, uh, you know, to, to be allow ourselves to be bullied when people call us haters for whatever reason. So yeah. we've got to be proud and be, be courageous. You can find him at Daily Wire, Matt yeah. Walsh Blog. Matt Walsh Blog is, I think, both his Twitter handle as well as on Facebook. So uh, thank you, Matt. Thanks for coming in and for all your uh, fight. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good, sure. all Have right. a good time at CPAC. We're going to, yeah, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got more guests. And it's Ed Martin and Andrea Okay, we'll be right back. FM 96.1, North County, AM 1170, San Diego, The Answer. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. FM 96.1, North County, AM 1170, San Diego, The Answer. 
Adventure. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin, and we're not here in the Pro-America Report exactly, although it's that time. And we're not really in the Andrea Kay Report, but she's sitting right next to me. That's because we're both at CPAC, in the swamp, not of the swamp. It's kind of swampy. Uh, Andrea's hair has gotten big and really <laughs> filled out with the humidity. And But we're not getting swamped up. And we have a million, million people. I went to the restroom and ran into a woman I know. Not, not in the restroom. On oh, the way good. to the restroom. Because that's I met. not how we conservatives roll. Yeah, no, we know which right. restroom to use. That's right. So, uh, But we're having a great time. we got lots of folks. In fact, uh, you know, I, we just had a card from one of the Epic Times folks, which are, mm-hmm. it's a great, it's, that person didn't want to come on the show. That's one of the folks. Great partner, the Epic Times, in terms of good yeah. voices out there. Yeah. And uh, so they're, they're here. Everybody's here. It's amazing. So, and our next guest is Morgan Kimborough. 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 Yes. And he is, uh, sorry, I got it sort of right. He's the president of San Diego Young Republicans. And uh, he's here at CPAC. First of all, are you liking CPAC? You've been before? I love CPAC. This is my second year, um, so you know, making the rounds with all the people that I need to talk to and uh, getting some stuff done. Now, yeah. I got to say, I grew up in New Jersey, okay. and being a young Republican in New Jersey, there's not that many. Young Republican in San Diego, it sounds like there should be a lot of good ki- good young people. Are there? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a very uh, interesting area, obviously, as the rest of the state is uh, yeah. leaning more blue. It's really an area that's kind of uh, slowed down in terms of the overall state trend. So we have an interesting opportunity, um, specifically uh, with certain districts that are, are still up in the air in terms of which way we'll go. So, you know, definitely able to really fight the culture war and bring in young conservatives in the San Diego area. Yeah, we need we need to turn San Diego back more solidly red. Okay, when I first moved to San Diego, it was red. It was redder than y'all's ties you got yeah. on. <laughs> now it's like it's getting it's getting blue, child. It is. It definitely is. How did you become a Republican in San Diego? Well, I was always raised with conservative values of self independence, um, you know, individuality, and really not. Uh, leaning on the government for support. So I was always a limited government conservative, and I really came out of my shell, per se, after Donald Trump was elected in 2016 and really emboldened, I think, a lot of people who had suppressed their viewpoints for such a long time. Right. Um, you w- Earlier, I think it was Kira Davis we were talking to yep. about whether or not California could ever vote for a Republican. I, I, you know, people tell me, get out of San Diego, get out of California. We don't want to give up our state. We just want to fight hard. And, and I think there's an opportunity now when you see how bad California has gotten that people are looking, you know, for, I think there's a chance that we can take California back over and turn it Republican. I agree. Never say never. Uh, when you set out to take Vienna, take Vienna, as Napoleon said. Yeah. So, hey, um, there are a lot of people that are fed up. And what people don't realize is that there were 5 million people that voted for President Trump in 2016. It was, the, I believe, the second most state um, after Texas that yeah, actually voted for population, Trump. population, yep. So there are, there are conservatives in, in California, and it's just about mobilizing the vote and um, you know, really being able to talk about the issues and get it out there because it's so convoluted in one way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morgan, you know, uh, one of my good friends and one of the guys I work with is Woody Woodrum. Woody Woodrum yeah. sometimes on the show and heads up our California Screaming Eagles. He described, he, he, uh, describes sort of just what you said, which is you go to San Diego and you may end up, you know, like in 2016, no one thought Trump could win. But they literally had 10,000, 15,000 volunteers because there are lots of conservatives there. I, more interesting right now, what happens on Tuesday? You got a bunch of primaries, right? I, how do you feel about the, uh, the races that are coming out and what, you know, what happens? There's a number of seats in the area that you can expect to flip, flip back. I don't expect. Hope to flip back uh, from Democrat to Republican. Tell us what you're seeing as a young Republican. 
absolutely. Well, there's a lot of local races where there's only one Republican, so um, you know the parties endorsed uh, endorsed that Republican, so they'll go through. And there's some pretty competitive city council races. Um, I think the big ticket one that's getting a lot of national spotlight is the 50th congressional district. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see which Republican passes through. Yeah, is that, that's that where Duncan Hunt. No, that's Duncan Hunter. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Isa and, and, uh, against Carl DeMaio. Carl DeMaio. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. Are you backing any? Who have you? Who are you backing in that one? Because that's 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 kind of a tough call for people. Totally. Well, I, I, I will say this: there is a candidate that was endorsed by Trump in 2016, and a candidate that has been endorsed by Mark Meadows, Tim Scott, uh, Newt Gingrich, and just recently Matt Gates. Who's that? Uh, that candidate's Daryl Issa. Oh, it is. Okay, I didn't know that. That's uh, that that that's uh, pretty. Uh, I did see Meadows tweet that, or somebody tweet that out. That's uh, that's pretty uh, impressive list. Uh, and look, um, that's it, that's still a competitive race after that primary, right? You still got to roll. That's still going to be a uh, is it, no, no. It's not. Duncan Hunter seat safe, isn't it? That seat's safe, Republican. Well, it is R plus 10, but you have a Democrat that's running for the second time and was able to get 48% of the vote. Wow. So, okay, so it's a little closer. He is building up what, what I think is a cult of personality. He's been on national media, the Alyssa Milano show. The, wow. the liberal Campa Najjar is his name. Yes, Amar Campa Najjar. And so he's he's gaining national traction, and I don't think I think we have to run scared regardless. Um, you know, yeah. obviously, the, the demographics, they shift. Uh, I think it is R plus 10, but at the same time, you know, we've seen in the 2018 midterms, the Democrats flip a lot of red seats, so it can happen. And I think we just can't get complacent. We really have to mobilize the vote, get it out there, and uh, knock on doors, phone right. bank, and everything. When- yeah, we got to be active. You know, the Democrats, they're active all day, in every area, all day, every day, Ed. And, you know, this is one thing that we Republicans don't do as well. Uh, we're not as, we, we don't put, we like to sit and complain and yammer. We don't necessarily get out and put our feet well, in the street. And we were both talking to Scott Pressler earlier. He's going to try to come by and be on the show later. Yep, and Pressler no goes out, Yeah, Pressler goes out and he says, like, stop talking and register voters, you know. To, 100%. Yeah, don't, don't lose the edge. But let me pull back and say on issues. Sure. You know, the, the stereotype is when you get older, you care about taxes, you care about schools because you have kids and you have more income. Younger people care less about that. What's the number one issue for, say, 20 to 30-year-old San Diego Republicans? So they say, this is what I care about. Well, I think that they, they care about the economy. They care about their opportunities in the future of what our country is going to look like. Um, you know, I think in our generation, there's really been a shift of how we view socialism um, from the past generations that experienced communism and Soviet Russia. So I think for them, it's about opportunities and being able to obtain that social mobility that their parents did. Hmm. It's, yeah. uh, it is. Uh, how about how about um, your numbers? How many how many young Republicans do you have? How, how, what's the what's your trend line? Have you been growing? I mean, you know, it is true. People don't join clubs as much as they used to when in different times in American life. You know, they got uh, busy lives and they do things online and stuff. So what's your numbers look like? Totally. So on Facebook, we have about 1,500 likes uh, and followers. Twitter, it's about 800 followers. And then Instagram, we have close to 1,000 followers. Um, in terms of normal attendance, um, it ranges anywhere from 20 to 30 people. And then at some of our big ticket items, it gets in the 50s. Um, but, you know, we're obviously looking to increase that. And as as Republicans, as young Republicans, you always face an uphill battle. Um, as you said, you know, most uh, if you don't have a heart. If you're not a liberal when you're young, you don't have a yeah. heart. If, you don't, if you're not a conservative when you're older, you don't have a brain. So, yeah. you know, we're trying to, to win the hearts. 
to yeah. uh, Well, listen, thank you, Morgan. And uh, make sure it's uh, sdyoungrepublicans.org, sdyoungrepublicans.org. Morgan Kim- Kimbrough? Kimbrough. Kimbrough, the yes. president of the San Diego Young Republicans. You know, let me give a breaking news. We talked the last hour. I want to say it again, though. The Republicans in the U.S. House, uh, Andrea, forced the uh, the issue on the House floor with a motion to recommit. It's a kind of procedural moment, the mo- motion. They caught the Democrats napping, and they therefore forced them to have to vote on the Born Alive Act. And like this amazing anti-life, anti-pro-abortion uh, Democrats they are, lockstep, they voted for allowing babies to be born and be killed. That's and barbaric. They beat it back. No, it's, it's barbaric. They're ghouls. So, but good for Steve Scalise. And yes. Ann Wagner and Kevin McCarthy and the leadership to pull that off and force the vote. Earlier in the show, we had one of our political guests say, yeah, it's always good. You can say that they're pro-abortion, but when you get them to vote on something like that, man, it helps in races. So I think... Um, and it, more, show, it really highlights the differences in the parties. Well, more and it's more... It's never been more clear no, than this year. That's right. More and more people are realizing it's going to be, uh, I think, a Republican House and Senate and a presidency. So, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we got a lot more. It's Ed Martin here at, C- at CPAC with Andrea Kay. And don't forget... We'll be together on uh, election night, too, to bring in all the results with you. So be right back. The answer. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. North County. AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. It's not the Pro-America Report. I told you it's not the Andrea K. Show. It's better. It's like um, chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, which did happen by accident. And kind of like like us. We came together by accident. Hot dogs and mustard. I don't know. All right, I'll stop now. I'll stop now. So, uh, and uh, we'll be here another, well, almost done with this hour, but... Andrew will be back. Uh, Andrew and I will be together, sorry, on Tuesday night covering the, um, the election results. But In San to Diego. finish yeah. off the program today yes. at CPAC, a man who is besieged by uh, not autograph seekers, that's old-fashioned, but a selfie, uh, uh, what is it? <laughs> selfie enthusiast. Se- enthusiast. <laughs> Scott Pressler, at Scott Pressler on the Twitter machine. Uh, hashtag the persistence. Is it scottpressler.com? Scottpressler.org. Scott.org, sir. And, uh, and you can look at his schedule. So welcome back, Scott. How are you? Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you here at Eagle Ed Martin and Andrea Kay. Yes, thank you. You are like the, the king of CPAC. It's been I mean, fun. It's, it's been a blast. It's crazy. I mean, you and, and you are the man who, through love, you are single-handedly cleaning up. It's Thank like you. you're going behind the elephant with a broom and a shovel. The elephant being the Democrat Party in this case. How many tons? How many tons have yeah. you saved? In 2019, we picked up over 105 tons of trash. Wow. 105. It's crazy. And 50... Percent of that alone was in Los Angeles. Fifty tons was L.A. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, so while the left is trying to say that President Trump, you know, is not protecting us, we're all going to die from the coronavirus, and it's all <laughs> Trump's fault. You've seen firsthand that yes. we're far more we're far more at risk with liberal policies and, and literally the filth on the streets as a result of Democrats, right? Oh yes. Well, in L.A., where we picked up that trash, there were homeless people sleeping there, not even a dozen feet away from the trash. Wow. And I'm very proud. Here's the untold story. Because of the cleanup that we did, five of the homeless people living there actually agreed to housing. So huh. we're not only cleaning the streets, we're actually getting people safely into better environments as well. You know, um, we just had a guest on the show, Scott, named uh, Pres- uh, the president of the San Diego Young Republicans, Morgan Kimbrough. Oh, excellent. And I said to him, 
you know, what are you doing for the young people? And he said, voter registration. Yes. I started to bring up your Thank name, you. and he knew exactly, you know, you, I don't know if you've been to San Diego yet. I'm sure it's probably on yes, your list I of have. it. Yeah, so he knew. He's like, oh, yeah, Scott, well, we know Pressler. I mean, you know, you started out holding a sign on a street corner saying, you know, why are Democrats picking uh, illegal immigrants over black Americans? Then you started to do... Uh, I don't know the order. Did you do voter registration? Act? You're writing thank you notes to voters and yes. voter registration <laughs> and then the cleanup thing. But, Scott, between now and the election, what's the number one thing you tell people they have to do? Register to vote at their current address. And most importantly, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Why? Uh, because Pennsylvania is the road to the White House. Quite frankly, I believe that Ohio and Florida are trending towards Trump. And my goal is I want Trump to win, and we want those 20 electoral votes. So I'm going to Philly, Pittsburgh, Emmaus, Slippery Rock, Butler. I'm spending as much time from now until November in PA as humanly possible. How are you doing this? Because I know people want to support you in this yes. effort. Well, I'm actually very thankful that I've, I've never asked for a single dime ever, wow. ever. Wow. All the work that I've done has been from people. If they wanted to support my work, go to scottpressler.org. But I'm one of the few conservative activists that have never asked for a dime. I want my work to speak volumes for itself. And I want people to know my heart is in this. And that's why I'm doing it, because I, I love our country. Well, I love I love your fearless work. I love seeing pics of you uh, as you're sitting in a hey, Starbucks hey, hey. With, with what? Can we raise money by like uh, having a thing where we cut your hair off? Ooh. No. Ooh. Well, no, you want to cut my hair? No, we well, don't. He's, he's Pressler's got this hair down. That's one of the people. That's he's, his he's, 11, look. he's 11 feet tall also. That's another reason people <laughs> can see him. But he's like tall and he's got the hair. But what if you did like uh, you could get half of it? And you Ooh. good for charity. No, absolutely I, I not. Don't I don't support the that hair, at all. The hair is the oh, calling card. Exactly. You're committed to the president but, except for your hair? Well, well I'm waiting well, for the opportunity for shampoo and conditioner people to reach out to me so <laughs> I can you. earn some extra money and oh. then donate it to President Trump. Well, well, asking Pressler, That's the persistence to cut his hair is like asking Trump to change his hairstyle. We don't want either to be happening Wait, here. Wait, we can have one of those commercials like the, the Troy Pamalamalu, the guy that Troy played Palomalu. for... Troy You can have the hair. When he does the hair thing, yeah. they do a hair commercial. You could be... We should Oh, we should definitely do that. We should do, hey, we should do Diamond and Silk and Pressler and do like a hair commercial, like okay. a spoof. Okay. Trump, Trump, you know the president would love I'm down. He would love And he we could have a Trump lookalike with his hair. <laughs> this is getting better and better. I'm quitting my day job. We're going to do mock commercials. You're such a marketeer. You're right, always so looking, for, so looking for an angle. Register to vote. But, you know, yes. you came out. Well, you didn't come out. You came by video to our Eagle leaders, and you did this shtick. It was unbelievable, by the way. He's good in person, but on video, it was phenomenal. But you did this thing. Tell us, stop and do it again. Yes. You're telling somebody to register to vote. There's like a little three-step you teach them to do when you meet someone. You meet yeah. someone, oh, you meet someone in Costco or outside of Costco. Walk us through this. Yeah, so, I mean, look, we want to make sure that we are getting conservatives out to vote, right? I mean, ultimately, and there are 25% of Christians vote. There are millions of unregistered Christians. There are millions of unregistered gun supporters as mm. well. Right. So why don't we go to Home Depot, Chick-fil-A, gun shops, gun shows, and talk to people? And I ask an opening question. You know, how do you feel about supporting our police? How do you feel about securing the border? And should they say yes, are you registered to vote at your current address? If you're not, I can register you to vote. Or you can go to vote.gov, gov meaning G-O-V. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure people are registered. Then save their information and push them to the polls and say, hey, Andrea, right. hey, Eagle Ed Martin, I registered. 
registry to vote outside of Home Depot? You, do you have a ride to your polling location? Do you know where your polling location is? Do you have an ID? Do you know you can vote early? We have to mobilize people like President Obama did in order That's to win. Right. And one of the reasons why we have to do it, one of the reasons why I love this so much is because the Democrats are doing everything they can to register every illegal oh, that they can. Oh, he knows all about that, right. They yes. Right. He's got these charts on his uh, presentation yes. about how Virginia, basically, the Democrats keep out registering to vote and outperform because we're not we're we're not intentionally doing it. By the way, back to that thing. He has this thing. We're talking with Scott Pressler at Scott Pressler on Twitter, scottpressler.org on the internet. And where you that question is, are you registered to vote at your current address? <laughs> and, and he gets it like a, it's like a response deal to a call and response. But it's really key because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm registered to vote. And he's at your current address. Say, oh, I moved. I, when I ran the election board in the city of St. Louis many years ago now. We, we what have some, you not done, by the way? But carry I, on. Well, uh, the, uh, uh, the, <laughs> he's done, well, I, I he's was done in, it all I in bed. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express in Wuhan last week, <laughs> and I'm feeling great. And he had some bat soup. <laughs> well, it was on the menu. I thought I've never tried bat soup. But listen, now you got me off track. Oh, like, in the city of St. Louis, a lot of the places you were talking about, People move by, by yes. they move at least once a year yes. in an election cycle. So the current address question is really key, and and people they they don't think of it if they haven't registered. They haven't registered to vote. That's a starting point. But if they haven't thought to update their address, it's a big thing. So um, right, how, how many, many people do you think yeah, you've registered good, to vote? I was Thousands. Just, Thousands. Wow. You know, it's so funny. I was even on vacation. I know. I actually took a vacation. <laughs> what? And I was sitting in the hot tub, and I was going crazy because I was like, I need to do something. And I was like, I'm going to do a video on voter registration while I'm sitting in the hot tub. <laughs> and it was funny because I had people reach out to me, and they're like, Scott, how can I register to vote? So if I can register voters by sitting in a hot tub from answering Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, then so can you. Direct people to vote.gov. Direct them to their Secretary of State website. It's so easy to register voters. I am yeah. just so glad that you didn't accost someone in the hot tub and be like, hey, uh, hey, buddy, what's going on? Can you register? Are you registered? The guy would like call security. So, all right, Scott Plesser, we're going to let you go. Thank you, brother, Thank for being you here. So Thank you so much for having me. You, you are a hero, Knuckles. And, uh, and listen, drink more fluids. And I am. Don't I'm drinking wear my yourself green out. It's no good. It's no good to have you uh, sick by the time you... Uh, the election day comes. All right, we're going to trade out live. This is like uh, NASCAR, so you're trading out with Laura Loomer. I think that she's got even better hair than you do, Presley. Yeah. So, uh, and we're really excited. We're running. We're down to the very end of a CPAC. And uh, we're, I'm going to let you introduce Laura Loomer. I know her, but well, she's, she's famous. Well, and she so. is, and she is, and she's famous amongst my my peeps because the day after I had her last on my show, Facebook took down my account. So <laughs> wow. yeah, so we've only got a few minutes left. Y'all know you you know and love Laura Loomer as much as I am, and that and that's and, and the left fears her, which is why she is the most deplatformed woman. Um, it has not stopped her from just kicking it out the park with her congressional race down in Florida. Laura Loomer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. All right, so update us. I Great mean, to meet you in person, I know, too. I mean, right? I always talk to you from across the country. Yeah, so here you are at CPAC. Uh, tell everybody, in spite of the fact that you were deplatformed everywhere from Facebook and Twitter and PayPal and Insta and all that, you're still out fundraising everybody in Florida. Yeah, I am. So uh, I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, home to President Trump and Mrs. Trump, who are the new residents of the district. Very happy to have them. 
And, uh, yeah, when I announced my run for Congress on August 2nd, people on both the left and the right, they mocked me and they said, oh, there's no way that she's ever going to be able to win or gain any traction because she's banned everywhere. And it's kind of dangerous, right? Because we see that, you know, this has gone from just shutting people down on Facebook and Twitter to kind of using their platform access to determine whether or not they're even qualified to run for office or whether or not they're a good person. And it's very similar to this social credit score system that we're seeing in China, right? Where your ability to kind of like use these sites really determines your value as a human being. Uh, But despite the bans and despite the fact that uh, these companies will not allow my campaign to have social media, I'm the front runner. I've out fundraised all of my primary opponents combined times seven for two fundraising quarters in a row, including the Democrat incumbent. And it's great. You know, President Trump has uh, definitely caught wind of the race. He's uh, retweeted a tweet in support of my campaign that encouraged people to donate. Uh, You know, you can do that at lauralumerforcongress.com if you're interested. (laughs) Yeah. And... Uh, We've only got a couple oh, no, we, got, we, we got about three more minutes. Oh, we got okay, about we received a lot of endorsements from you know prominent people like Janine Pirro, Michelle Malkin, Roger Stone, Bo Snerdley. Who's your Who's your um, opponent in the general? Lois Frankel. She's That's the right. chair of the Democrat Women's Caucus and four-term you know Democrat incumbent Congresswoman, do nothing Democrat. Yeah, right. I want to know in the couple minutes we have left, what are you going to do different than other Republicans in Congress if you get elected? Well, I'm a woman of action, and you know. People know this. I don't need to make false promises and say what I'm going to do when I get elected to Congress and that I'm going to directly take on the squad and directly take Thank on these do nothing Democrats because I was literally banned and had my life, you know, destroyed by big tech for that very reason. And so I put my money where my mouth is. People know I don't play around. And all these people in Congress, I've already confronted all of them, right? I right. chased <laughs> waters in the elevator, if you recall. Right. So, yeah. I put illegal aliens on Nancy Pelosi's lawn. I confronted Ilhan Omar about why she married her brother. And I've sued Rashida Tlaib because You're so she was sweet so sweet looking in person. I know, right? I've already done it. So people, I don't need to make false promises. And I think that's why so many people from across the country are supporting my race. I mean, it's incredible. It's a congressional race, but we've received donations from people in all 50 states. And ultimately, too, I'm going to be the candidate that takes on and really breaks big tech. Because for far too long, big tech has been able to assume massive amounts of power. They have a market value that exceeds a trillion dollars. They're data raping American citizens. They are censoring conservatives. They're shutting down political, peaceful speech. And now they're trying to interfere in our elections. And these communists in Silicon Valley, like Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg and Sundar Pakai, they, they literally think that the election is for sale, you know, depending on, you know, who's going to do the biggest bidding in Silicon Valley. And I'm here to say that it's the American voters. It's going to be the people of District 21 in Florida who determine whether or not I go to Congress. And it's not going to be people like Zuckerberg and Dorsey. Well, I tell you, AOC made a splash, but Laura Loomer's going to make a splash. Oh, I know. Man. It's going to be wild. Thank you, Laura. I'm yeah. sorry we're out of time, right. but we Thanks. appreciate it. Good Thank luck with everything. Thanks for stopping by. Loop. Yeah, I will. Thank uh, you. And it's Ed Martin and Andrea Kay. We'll, we'll be back Tuesday together. Yeah, we will at and Golden Hall down in San Diego for a primary night. Love you all. Thank you can for I listening. Take, can I have a water? Okay.